This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 329 of The Yellow Wallpot. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's late 1-0 win in Düsseldorf and we will preview the midweek game against Mainz. And for all that and more joins me Matthias Suk. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, I am doing quite well on this warm summer day in Colorado. How are you doing? I am doing... Uh Almost as fine in the. I don't know how warm it is in Philadelphia right now. Not. I don't. I don't know. It's not hot, but uh, it's it's manageable. Um. Anyway. Uh. I am sad to announce that we yet again don't have a sponsor for this episode. But uh, I'll just take this opportunity to thank all our patrons that are contributing financially, and uh, we'll tease them with uh, the. Uh, Kicker interview by Lukas Piszczek, which uh, will be translated on our website by tomorrow. So um, that's going to be behind the paywall because I think it's five pages in the Google Docs. So uh, yeah, please uh, check that one out once it's online. Um, obviously, you can find the link on uh, our Twitter and Facebook at YellowWallPod. Otherwise, just go to theyellowwall.net for more information. Um, Matthias. Without any further ado, I guess it's time to talk about that very late uh, one nothing win by Dortmund. Um, I'll I'll ask um, this way: Was it very satisfying for you that uh, Haaland literally uh, scored the winner in in a fashion that Düsseldorf could no longer answer? It? Yes, it did because. Um uh, you know, I mean, it was a bad day for Fortuna Düsseldorf just because their loss coupled with Bremen's odd way of finding goals all of a sudden. <laughs> um, but overall, Fortuna Düsseldorf uh, played well in the sense of Uwe Rösler set them up in a way that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf playing very deep, very structured, very defensively sound, not really pressing Dortmund very high up the pitch for long periods of time, playing a very low block defensive, you know, type of football where they were, their hope was don't concede and maybe we can score with a lucky punch. Uh, I understand his reasoning to go with a style like that. I personally detest that style of football. Um, and so... Uh, I, th I'm very happy that Dortmund got the three points, uh, for a variety of reasons that we will get into. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was a difficult match. I kind of figured it would be difficult. Yes, our scoreline prediction was higher. Had Dortmund utilized some of the chances that were given to them, including the one that was taken away from them. Um, I, I think we, we could have seen three goals, uh, on the day for Dortmund and maybe one for Düsseldorf. So, you know, overall, it, it wasn't ugly. It was, or sorry, it was ugly, but sometimes you got to win ugly. That's 
you know, it's just the way it is. You get your three points, and Dortmund are qualified for the Champions League, and Düsseldorf are staring down both barrels of relegation yet again. Yeah, I like what Arling Haaland said after the game. Good teams win on bad days. I think that something up quite nicely for Dortmund because it, it really wasn't uh, eye candy and uh, we can discuss now whether uh, you know the the team was lacking a bit of tension or whether this was down to Düsseldorf's uh, apt defending but um, yeah it was uh, um, <laughs> I think uh, last episode after uh, the win against Hertha you'd said say <laughs> uh, I think we can use the same German vocabulary here uh, yet again but uh, yeah, it was interesting to see that um, Rösler um, benched his uh, talisman striker uh, Ruven Hennings and uh, started Kenan Karaman up top, which sort of uh, indicated uh, the strategy right from the beginning that uh, Düsseldorf were searching for that uh, winner um, or, or that counterattack. Um, obviously, in, in the end, uh, we were a bit lucky because Steven Skripski... Uh, Hit the woodwork twice, once in the 81st minute and once in the uh, 90th minute. Um, so uh, I think the, after the, the counterattack chance that uh, Düsseldorf had um, in, in the 90th minute, then uh, the camera panned to Hans-Joachim Watzke, who was eating his sweater um, <laughs> because he can't smoke right now, because I think that's banned. So uh, yeah, very nervous, as, as always by Mr. Watzke, but um, yeah, I think we can, um, b before we talk about anything else, just talk about the uh, moment, the uh, chalked off goal, I don't even know which minute it was, um, by Rafael Guerrero, um, Arling Haaland said this after the game. I didn't see it, but uh, anyways, the hands rules are not with us this season. Yeah, I feel like this is sort of the uh, correct sentiment that it sort of uh, adds up right now for Dortmund. Um, Matthias, do you think that was the right call by VAR Dennis Eitekin? Um, no. Uh, you know, it, it it's kind of, it's baffling. And Lucien Favre even said so after the match in his press conference that it's four straight matches, Dortmund... You can't say it any other way. Uh, granted, he didn't use this word, but I will. They got completely screwed by the referees. I mean, I don't understand how in this case, VAR decides, I mean, VAR, the people applying the technology decide to take a look at it and chalk it off, but the referee doesn't go to take a look at it. Um, but then in the other instances where Dortmund uh, would have benefited from a penalty that wasn't reviewed or a penalty against them wasn't reviewed and then you I all but it's not just Dortmund uh, you know Schalke's penalty against Leverkusen I don't understand how that could have been ruled the handball penalty against Leverkusen when the Leverkusen player's arm got pushed into the ball by a Schalke player I mean at some point you have to ask are you just supposed to chop your arms off at some point yes some have argued there's a gray zone that's there with the handball as to where on the shoulder it touches. Everybody that I've seen and heard that isn't necessarily a Dortmund hater or is somehow trying to remain neutral in some weird universe, uh, everybody agrees 
that should have been a goal. It should have stood. And you can clearly see how it shifted the momentum of the game for about uh, arguably the next 10 to 20 minutes. Dortmund lost their head. They were frustrated. They were making frustration fouls. They were off their game. And it comes back to that atrocious decision to take that goal away. It, it just... It absolutely baffles me, and I know you you said this before we recorded that the handball rule is going to get more clarification in the next season, but it it's just it's infuriating because again that goal taken off and had one of Skipsky's shots gone in and so on, you know Dortmund would then be. F- you know, looking at a really tight battle for second place. And obviously it could have had an effect already previously on the title race. Um, it, it just, it's beyond frustrating and gets to the point of completely being infuriating. I don't believe that there's a conspiracy to keep Dortmund oh, from no, winning. There absolutely is. You know, it, but, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I can easily fall into that trap had I not seen the atrocious penalty call that benefited Schalke against Leverkusen, which is just, just as asinine. Yeah, no, you, you're right. I think, I think mostly it's incompetence uh, at work, but you can really see how, um, this, uh, especially the, the call in the loss against Bayern is, is nagging Dortmund. Lukas Piszczek, um, said in the interview in the kicker that he to this day does not understand why this was not a penalty and Lucien Favre at today's news conference ahead ahead of the uh, Mainz game said again that you know had they gotten and converted the penalty this game might have gone in a completely different direction and then you know at, at the end of the day Bayern obviously deservedly won but uh, you know I, I feel like this this uh, especially this decision is really sticking with uh, the people of Borussia Dortmund and hence uh, you know you, you get sort of a frustration accumulator and hence the uh, what do you call it the 10 minute period after after that chalked uh, off goal where uh, the heads dropped a little or uh, you know yeah it, it, it was a kind, kind of weird period um, I think sometimes Dortmund need to learn uh, in, in these situations to, to remain calm and <laughs> carry on <laughs> but uh, yeah um, it is really unnerving also also for fans. I mean, in the end, obviously, uh, uh, apart from the decision against Bayern Munich, it didn't matter for Dortmund, neither against Hertha nor against uh, Paderborn or against Düsseldorf because new, and they always got away with all three points. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit weird. And I, I think I made this joke on, on Twitter that... Uh, uh, the VAR of the Bundesliga go home and uh, have a nice bottle of shampoo called Heads and Arms because apparently the shoulder doesn't exist because, I mean, it's it's very blatant. You can even see um, on this edition of the Dortmund shirt that, uh, you know, it, there's this little graphic that almost indicates where the shoulder starts, <laughs> right? And uh, I, I think you can see it very well in the freeze frame that the ball hits Guerrero's shoulder. Um, I mean, I can understand the rule and uh, where where it comes from, but in in this case, it's it's just absolute nonsense because a the arm was completely um, snuck <laughs> to to the body, and yeah, I know uh, according to that rule, that doesn't really matter, but uh, it's it's so high on on the arm that that you have to call it the shoulder. So um, yeah. 
but uh, I mean, nevertheless, Dortmund uh, won it one to nil, and um, I I think we can discuss maybe a little bit that uh, Dortmund need a striker uh, as a backup for Haaland, if not uh, something because uh, Julian Brandt yet again didn't have his best game, Matthias. No, he was he was bad. It's not that he didn't have a good game. He was he was just flat out not good. And it's not the first time. It, he's obviously not comfortable in that high pitch position. Um the good thing is today uh in the press conference with Lucien Favre, which was probably one of the most in-depth Lucien Favre press conferences I've seen of since he's time, been here. Yeah. <laughs> uh you know, they asked him about positions for the future and he mentioned specifically wingers and strikers looking at that this summer so they they agree we need a second striking option uh to, because you can't just put all that pressure uh not necessarily psychologically on Erling Holland because I think he can deal with that beautifully I think it's more the physical pressure of just having to play all the time um and and you just need something else i mean hazard's been great sancho's been great but brandt has not been good i mean that's just you know call a spade a spade he played poorly uh in a few straight matches now and so uh yes he he assisted the goal for chan and that was great and you know las also said it you know he can at any time turn on a world world-class moment uh but you you don't need world-class moments you need just good performances overall sprinkled in with the world-class moments if you're playing below Bundesliga average or Bundesliga average for 90 minutes eh, it's just it's just not enough and he's he's better sitting behind the striker or paired up in central midfield uh I think we can all agree on that so bringing in another striker is also on the wish list of Lucien Favre who I once again strongly believe will be around another season at the Westfalenstadion yeah yeah so, so do I actually um Yeah, he actually highlighted uh, Giorena at the press conference and his movement between the lines and uh, his understanding of the game, you know, uh, lauding him for the high footballing IQ. And uh, I think he specifically pointed out that Giorena did it quite well in the uh, game against Düsseldorf because Dortmund really, um, you know, I've, I've, I've looked at various passing charts and it really didn't look too good of how Dortmund progress the ball into the final third and uh, you know it yeah it, it reminded me a bit of of the old Peter Stuger times when uh, Dortmund really struggled to uh, progress the ball forward and it's it's actually quite uh, untypical for Lucien Favre team because usually even if uh, the opponent is very um, you know it's, it's just parking the bus that Dortmund still find a way But somehow the uh, runs in between the lines and, and whatnot were just, just wasn't there. Um, and I think Favre said that he wished that a striker or whoever would have just, you know, try to dribble and take the ball forward. And, you know, everything was just a little bit too slow. And as we say in German, gemächlich, you know, it's, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It was a very weird game and I fully expected, uh, Düsseldorf to, to get the old smash and grab at the end and they nearly did but uh yeah that way uh since Düsseldorf are where they are 
uh, things tend to go against them and yeah Dortmund really profited and uh, kudos to Manuel Kanji for that cross to find uh, Arling Haaland of all players in the box and that header really was pristine um, you know you can see the, the uh, technique how he stands in the air how he moves his head um, you know nothing about this was coincidental and uh, it was a really nice goal to, to score and uh, Matthias, you can now analyze the uh, calf injury that Lucien Favre suffered at the sideline. Uh, well, you know, it's not the first time uh, Monsieur Favre has injured himself celebrating <laughs> um, during his Dortmund time. So uh, you can't say he lacks passion. Um, I, I mean... Yeah, it's I I love the guy. I mean, what can I say? I really like him. He's an extraordinarily likable man. Um people who hate on him, I I would hope that they hate on him less about him as a person because he's just really likable. I mean, there's I don't see anything about him that makes me think, "Ooh, I don't like him." Because let's be honest, Thomas Tuchel wasn't exactly the most charismatic, likable person. Um and Favre is not Jurgen Klopp, but honestly, who is so uh yeah he injured himself celebrating yet again uh i think they need to work on his training routines so that they can uh, cut down on some of these muscle injuries and maybe need to revisit the medical staff at Dortmund uh since the manager keeps on getting injured celebrating goals which is dangerous given that under Lucien Favre, Dortmund have been extremely prolific when it comes to scoring goals, so his chances of getting injured are pretty high. So we need to do a little bit of mitigation there when it comes to <laughs> uh, preventing injury from Lucien Favre, who is 62 after all. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not uh, uh, arguing for fewer goals, are you? Because um, I, I know we've highlighted this before, and uh, it's kind of baffling that it still hasn't happened, but uh, at least Dortmund... Uh, with this one goal equaled their own record from the 2015-2016 season of 82 goals in the Bundesliga season, which is their personal record. And uh, that means almost definitely against Mainz, unless it's a scoreless draw or whatever, um, which I don't think it will be. Uh, Dortmund and Lucien Favre will uh, set a new record in the Bundesliga for uh, most goals scored. You know, it's it's just a club record, but nevertheless, um, for Favre... To get this record um, is 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 quite the feat, I will say. We also can't ignore the fact Dortmund have conceded 35 goals this season. The only two clubs that have been better when it comes to defensively are Leipzig, who've conceded 32, so that's only three goals less conceded, and Bayern, who've conceded 31, that's only four goals less conceded. So overall, the fewer. total <laughs> body of work... Fewer, less, fewer, whatever. Um uh, the overall body of work from Lucien Favre is extremely impressive. However, Matthias, uh, how would you assess the season considering last season they finished on 76 points and now can only finish on 75 points? Well, trotzdem, I think <laughs> it's going to be a very good season. Um, I mean, last season was really good, uh, and then it tailed in the second half of the season. We know that. This season, it was a tr struggle to start, and then it really took off in the second half. Uh, they've probably played a fantastic second half of the season. The only downside is, well, let's put it to you this way, Bayern and Dortmund kind of tracked similarly. Uh, not a great start, and then have been on fire, in this in the second half of the season the problem is Bayern just you know they're just really really good um with a lot of really good players and arguably probably the best striker of the last 
five plus years uh, in their ranks really, 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 really helps. And one of the best goalkeepers in the last decade really, really, really helps. And the fact that they were smart enough to put Hansi Flick in, who is a really, really, really good coach. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the uh, VAR penalty decision in the Dortmund match helped a lot as well. But they, I think they still probably would have won uh, the title because... You know, Gladbach were running away with the Bundesliga in the first half of the season, and they may not make the Champions League at this point. And Leipzig also had it up and down in the first half of the season, but the cream has definitely risen to the top um, now in the second half of the season. So it was just, it was kind of a slow start season for the top three teams, but they ended up showing just how much better they are than everybody else now uh, when it really mattered. Whereas last season, Dortmund slowed down at the time when it really mattered. Yeah, I think you can also say that it's uh, an advantage uh, overall for better teams to not play in front of a crowd. Um, you know, I'm just just uh, looking at how Bayern are playing right now, uh, m maybe uh, an added crowd would uh, not affect them, but I feel like they it would a little bit, especially in away games. So, um, especially in a Dortmund game. Um, so, uh, yeah. I guess lucky for them, but uh, I guess uh, lifting the title with absolutely nobody around is also sort of uh, a, a wasted championship, if you will. So um, in, in that regard, I'm kind of glad that Dortmund are not uh, winning it this year, because if they were to win it next season, uh, it would probably be more emotional for everyone involved if people can actually be out in the streets, which we don't know if they can or will or however, but, uh, you know, at, at least... Uh, yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm already looking forward to the next season just because of of the uh, Rückrunde that Dortmund are playing and the consistency that they are showing, especially with the winter transfers. Obviously, we don't know what uh, will happen in the summer and how the team will change up. And obviously, if you lose Jaden Sancho, that's uh, a, a massive loss which you probably can't just easily uh, replace in in the same vein. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see about that. Uh, for now, we have to look from. Game to game, Matthias, and the next game is Mainz 05. Um, they are right now in 15th, and uh, after losing to Augsburg, um, they are in in trouble. You know, you can I I think you can say that uh, because uh, now they are only a couple of points ahead of 16th place, and uh, Werder Bremen and Düsseldorf could uh, theoretically both leapfrog them rather easily so um they are on 31 points and Düsseldorf and Bremen are on 28 points so um this is going to be a very very tight relegation fight and uh, while Dortmund have now qualified for the Champions League thanks to Gladbach losing against Bayern um yeah it's it's going to be sort of where my focus is for the for the remaining three games um yeah so what yeah, are you what I are you expecting of uh, the old old Jürgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel team? Well, I mean, I it's it's difficult for me because um, four years ago, uh, Mainz came to Colorado Springs for a few, for a training camp and some summer friendlies and uh, really allowed us to hang out with the players, pitch side after the game and chat. Uh, Martin Schmidt was still the manager at the time. And, um, it, they were super nice to me. They were really nice to my son. Uh, you could tell they really enjoyed talking to some Germans 
that we're here. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we bought a mind scarf then and all that kind of stuff. And it was really cool. However, um, this season, you know, Mainz were lucky against Augsburg because I watched that match and Augsburg could have blown them away had they actually utilized their chances better. Uh, Augsburg had a few really, really good chances and showed why that Augsburg are in a relegation battle, even though I think they're safe. They're seven points clear of 16 with three matches left. I, I think it's very unlikely that Union Berlin, Augsburg and Köln will be dragged down into that uh, 16th or 17th spot. Mainz, however, their trajectory is definitely heading in that way. And I would not be surprised if they finish 17th and Bremen Düsseldorf battle out for 15th and 16th. On play for the last month, I, I think uh, Düsseldorf probably deserves the 15th and then Mainz and Bremen can just flip a coin as to who deserves to be automatically relegated and who goes into the playoff spot. Um, but you could also say that, um, in my opinion, I don't not, you know, not, not to hurt the guy personally, not that he cares what I think, but you kind of have to say, Achim Bayerlotza isn't a good coach, uh, because, Köln improved dramatically once he left, and Mainz have gotten even worse since he got there. And so uh, I just don't see that trend changing against Dortmund. Uh, I think Dortmund are going to win this match. I think they're going to win it comfortably. Uh, Mainz just aren't playing well, and they're just not really good. And as a Dortmund supporter, you know, you're always supposed to really like Mainz. And, hey, you know, we got Kloppo and Subotic and uh, uh, Andres Schuller. No, sorry. not No, no, we don't talk about that one <laughs> um, <laughs> from, from Mainz. Um, but they on the form that they are, I see Dortmund winning this one pretty comfortably and handsomely at home and i'll be honest unless something changes dramatically i think mines are going to slip into the automatic relegation spot yeah i would agree uh i think uh that that uh mines really are in 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 a sour patch of form and uh you know if if you play against dortmund uh you know obviously um they still play against bremen so I think they could save this season in that singular game. Uh, Bremen uh, this week play against Bayern, so they will come out with the go good old goose egg in terms of points from this game. So um, yeah, I mean nothing, nothing. Yeah, and, is and Düsseldorf play against Leipzig, so they'll probably not win there either. Yeah, but again, so so Mainz remaining schedule is Dortmund, Bremen, and Leverkusen, and. Uh, you know, from my projections, Leverkusen will be playing for the Champions League, I think, on the final match day still. So they probably will have something to play for and they play in Leverkusen. So, uh, you know, the schedule right now is not very kind to Mainz. Um, so, yeah, it's it's probably... I, I do wonder whether Bayer Lorza will um, play a similar tactic um, like Uwe Rösler did and basically just try to, um, try to completely, uh, shut Dortmund down by, uh, sitting super deep. Or if I remember correctly, he was the coach of Cologne, right? When uh, Dortmund played him. Yes, and that's then, correct. And then he was the coach of Augsburg when 
they played. Yeah, no, no. There, it was the coach of Mainz when Dortmund right, right, played right, right, right. Mainz. Mainz, yeah, obviously. How and why, blew them away. Why am I thinking of Augsburg? Heiko Herrlich? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Any anyway. So uh, yeah. I either way, what I'm trying to say is, um, I think the uh, the original tactic applied by Bayer against Dortmund was a high pressing one. Um, but I don't, I don't know if he would dare to do the same because this is a entirely different Dortmund uh, team. And I think when he did it again this season, uh, yeah, he really got shellacked. So um, yeah, this is sort I of mean, what the- I predict now again because Mainz are not a team that can just sit back deep like Düsseldorf did and and uh, not concede eight goals. So yeah, either correct. way, they're I mean, doomed that- is what I'm saying. Yeah, that first match, I mean, that was one of the first matches in the season. I think it was match day three, maybe. I don't know. Um, and Dublin were still playing a 4-2-3-1. There was no Emre Can. There was no Holland. Then when they played them again, they faced Dublin in the 3-4-3. Still no Holland. Still no Emre Can. And Dublin completely destroyed them. Now, I would assume Holland will start this match. Um, and, or at least come on at some point, knowing that Leipzig is after that, and you probably need him more for the Leipzig match. But Emre Can will be there, and Dortmund are playing the 3-4-3. I just, um, I don't see this ending well for Mainz. I don't know if it's going to be a Paraborn ugliness as far as goals conceded, and Paraborn are just completely disintegrating now. Um, uh, but I do see Dortmund scoring three or four. Uh, relatively comfortably against a Mainz side that is completely bereft of confidence because we can't forget the Düsseldorf side actually had confidence and playing a more defensive style isn't totally foreign to the Düsseldorf squad since they did start the season with Funke as manager. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely correct here. And uh, yeah, Mainz obviously... Um uh, have a couple of good players. Uh, I mean, I, I like Karim Onizivo, who is uh, right now uh, the player who has uh, recorded the most Bundesliga assists for them, which is six, so it's not a high number, but, uh, you know, he's also scored four goals. Um, I also like uh, Robin Quaison, who is uh, uh, arguably the best uh, player, and he is also the, the center forward who has scored the most for them. He has 12 goals and two assists right now to his name and and uh, you know other than that they are not really uh high scoring or you know numbers you know John Paul Boetius has scored three goals and assisted five as a midfielder and then you know the next uh, guy with with four assists is Daniel Brusinski you know <laughs> that sort of says everything you need to know about Mainz uh, uh, and I think he even has scored two goals, but uh, yeah, they're not a not an attacking-minded team right now. Um, I think Favre said they have a lot of power going forward. I mean, uh, they have the good old Adam Schalai, and I think uh, Abel Mescheros will now kill me for butchering his name. It's apparently Schalai or something like that. Um, but yeah, he is also not doing too well with one goal and one assist. So um, yeah, this team really is lacking the weapons to compete in the Bundesliga so this is why they are where they are and uh, yeah I'm I'm not really too worried about this Mainz game at all um, especially because it's a midweek game and Dortmund can rotate and Mainz probably not in the same vein so um, we've briefly talked about this on the, on the last episode but uh, for the sake of it Matthias um, 
let's do it again um, and and just uh, talk about who Dortmund could field without completely uh, endangering the uh, the term Wettbewerbsverzerrung, uh, where they you know completely water down the the competitiveness of their own team. But uh, who could Lucien Favre plug into this team to give I don't know Lucas Pischek or whoever a rest and uh, you know who of the young guns could could replace someone. Well, given that Lucien Favre is not a big fan of rotation, and he alluded to as much not being able to rotate as much uh, in his press conference today, my assumption is the back four of Bürki and Akanji and Hummels and Pischek will stay the same, and and I'm okay with that just because you need they just. Match time is really important. As such, I think um, we'll probably see Hakimi again because he never seems to get tired. Uh, Guerrero as well at the left-back position. Uh, even though Nico Schulz is back, I just think Guerrero is going to play that one. Um, even though I wouldn't be shocked if Nico Schulz starts just to give Guerrero a break, but he's in such, such good form. Uh, why would you change that? Uh, central midfield... Um, I could see Witzel and Chan starting again because Witzel is getting back to fitness and kind of getting them playing well together. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if a Delaney plays in there. Now, interesting, I think it gets, will be ahead of them. Um, I could see, I, I could see Hazard Giorena starting, um, and Holland up top. Uh, he may want to still rest Holland for the Leipzig match. If that's the case, I think we'll probably see Azard, Reyna, and Sancho. This would be the kind of match to take uh, Julian Brandt out, who just hasn't been playing well. It could maybe use the rest ahead of an important match, the last important match uh, against Leipzig. Yeah, I mean, what I would like to see, but I don't expect to see, is would uh, you know Matteo Morey play instead of Hakimi? Because Hakimi, I think, picked up his fourth booking. And uh, you don't want him to to receive a silly fifth against Mainz and then to miss against Leipzig. So um, just just because of that, to be a bit more precautionary, I would actually uh, try to uh, play Morey. I just want to see what he can do. And I think this game, when the Champions League qualification is already wrapped up, is the perfect opportunity. It's a home match and against a team where you sort of expect to to do rather well and you know if things go wrong you can still bring on Hakimi or whoever but yeah I agree um you can also bench Julian Brandt in this one or just put him on the number eight I don't know if you need the Chan Witzel double pivot necessarily but uh the form Brandt has shown himself in uh, it doesn't even matter if he plays at his uh, ideal position he's still not performing to the to the standard he should be I mean uh, when Haaland came on in the second half, uh, he, I think, went back to the uh, number eight position. And uh, yeah, I I wouldn't say he dramatically improved all of a sudden. So um, yeah, we'll see. Um, I think um, Giorena definitely does deserve his first Bundesliga start. And Lucien Favre has talked about it, um, you know, that he was supposed to start against Schalke. And maybe now the time has come for him to get his uh, starting debut in the German top flight. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And just, you know, with, with the five substitutions, you know, we'll probably get to see Balerdi again, um, depending on how, how high their scoreline is. Uh, I don't know if, if Schmelzer will get another run out, whether Mario Götze will, will get it run out. Um, but yeah, 
I'm, I personally am hoping for a very calm, in my case, Wednesday afternoon where Dortmund just coast to win. Um, but, you know, I've been wrong before and I will be wrong again. So uh, we'll see. I mean, this Mainz team is certainly fighting against relegation and uh, that is obviously always extra motivation in, in this period of the season. And so, you know, as as much as I believe Dortmund will have an easy game, it can very easily not be that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just watching Mainz against Augsburg, a match that they had to, that both sides had to win, where it really mattered. I was so disappointed and underwhelmed by Mainz. I mean, Augsburg are pretty crap too. Uh, don't get me wrong, um, but uh, Augsburg could have scored three or four goals and I just don't see I, I feel like that's almost the straw that broke the camel's back yes theoretically you know Bialotza may think uh, we've got nothing to lose against it's against Dortmund who are much better but honestly they have everything to lose Dortmund have nothing to lose they've achieved the basic goal of making the Champions League yeah you want to finish the season above Leipzig just because you could say you, you stayed above that crap quote club um but at the end of the day whether you finish second or third it's no skin off your back too much uh all the pressure all of it is on mines and i just think they're going to completely crumble underneath it yeah no i i completely agree see that's one of the big problems is that mines weaknesses is not just structural but uh, they commit a lot of individual mistakes and so uh, we know it from from dortmund teams in the past that it doesn't matter how good the coach is on the sideline um, once you have this sort of uh, individual error jinx in you, it's very hard to turn off. And uh, I think we've definitely seen it last season uh, in the in the uh, closing stages of the season where uh, the nerves really got to Dortmund and, uh, you know, mistakes were made. And I feel like even if Mainz have a good game overall, that, uh, you know, they will be undone by a couple of comical errors or so that Dortmund pounce on. So, um yeah, it's 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 really tough if if you're psychologically in this situation. Um, so yeah, before we go to predictions, though, Matthias, um, there's one very important uh, commencement we have to give, and that goes to FC Schalke for their uh, great achievement of uh, staying up in the first division. I think uh, that's that's a ginormous achievement from the Royal Blues, who uh, really fought and battled hard to get. A penalty gifted against Leverkusen. Uh, what do you think? Well done, Schalke. You have definitely achieved the zenith of what you are as a club. Uh, Mid-table obscurity next year. Hey, if you're lucky, you'll finish seventh, get in the Europa League, which will pretty much push you into the relegation spots next season. So, hey, Schalke, Glück auf. Yeah, not only that, but they have set a new club record of an amazing winless streak of 13 so congrats Schalke yet again very happy for you <laughs> so it, yeah um, I, I think that little schadenfreude is a lot at the end of the season uh, I don't know is is uh, uh, Wagner a double agent at this point Matthias <laughs> I mean maybe I mean he's more a Schalke guy than a Dortmund guy just given his personal playing history for the club um, yes 
I will give him some grace in the sense that they have had a lot of injuries. Um, but still, like, come on. Um, they got they got a little bit little bit lucky. You know, the 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 old uh Tedesco luck came back for a match uh where they were gifted a penalty that was not a penalty. Uh Leverkusen were better in a match that wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was not a good match. Oaksbook Mines was ten times more entertaining and a better watch than Schalke oh, Leverkusen. Man, I, I slept and, through that one. And, <laughs> but but I mean who would say I mean that that says a lot right there. You know, you would think Schalke Leverkusen Leverkusen were battling for Champions League spots. Um, uh, you know, Leverkusen got dragged down to Schalke's level. It's not that Schalke elevated their play. Um, and they are they're staring at a really interesting summer um, on a day where um, Kaiserslautern will declare insolvency. I think Schalke need to look at that and go, uh, we need to figure out how to not be that. And we'll, we'll see. Um, I think the hopes and dreams of the, uh, butcher <laughs> in charge of that club, um, of, you know, challenging Dortmund, uh, for the supremacy of the Ruhrgebiet, uh, you can just lay that to bed. That's not going to happen, um, anytime soon. And unless they have massive structural overhaul, both in the front office and as far as their player recruitment strategies or pl giving away player strategies, uh, I don't see them s finishing above Dortmund uh, this decade unless they really, really change some things. Yeah, or Dortmund really epically collapse. I mean... Or 50 plus one goes away and they get, you know, a takeover from Qatar or something like that. Yeah, I mean, right now they're obviously in the class of Russia. I mean, you can see the uh, promotion of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline uh, on, on their uh, advertising boards at literally every game. And obviously Gazprom is a very spo uh, prominent sponsor on their kit. But, you know, in, in order to eradicate that amount of debt, you sort of need Vladimir Putin to think of Nord Stream 3 or something. Um, yeah, it's it's not really going well. I mean, they just uh, <laughs> fired their head of finance, Peter Peters, who was in this club for decades. I think the uh, uh, case of hardship form that they published or asked fans to explain why uh, they are a case of hardship in order to get reimbursed for the season ticket or whatever and only then get received the money by 2022 or so was the final straw and it really shows in what kind of dire situation this uh, club 40 kilometers east of Dortmund are in right now so yeah it's it's really not going well for the Royal Blues and I mean uh, Adam Dorowski friend of the show uh, you know had had this list of, of their transfer business right now and uh he said, you know, they, they made 37 million on, on Tilo Kera and 10 million on Embolo. And then, you know, let Kalijiri, Nübel, Goretzka, Maya, Huntela, Chupomoteng and Kolasinac all go on a free transfer. So, um, yeah, you can see that, uh, their, um, overall management is, is just completely terrible right now. And, uh, I don't want to say I fear for Schalke, but, um, you know, it's, as we said before, it really looks dire. Um, maybe they magically will turn things around come the next season, but uh, as of right now, I just don't see it. 
No, I don't either. I mean, they're going to lack Champions League football because Europa League football doesn't really interest anybody. And I just don't think they're going to make the Europa League. I don't think they deserve the Europa League. And honestly, I don't think they want the Europa League. Um, I, you know, Gelsenkirchen is not exactly the most beautiful place in all of Germany. Uh, I would argue it's probably the ugliest place in all of Germany. I mean, maybe rivaled by Van Eichel. Um, uh, <laughs> which is but, not too uh, far away. <laughs> which is, which is right around the corner. Um, but, uh, they, they, they are, in a tough position, they don't have money. Uh, they can't extend contracts for players that are on way too high wages. Uh, if they're smart, they will sell for money players like Harit, um, because the wages are above what he's worth. Maybe ha hang on to Weston McKinney, but, uh, if you can cash him into money, do it because you're not going to be able to afford the contract extension and letting another key player, even though I'm not the biggest Weston McKinney fan, letting another key player go for free would just epitomize your ineptitude and stupidity um, and uh, really restructure and rethink and go into it going, okay, for the next three years, we are going to be at best a mid-table side that's rebuilding and focusing on our own assets and youth players and scouting and, and really kind of a something Dortmund had to do for a period of time before they started winning league titles. And even when they won, League titles under Jürgen Klopp, they were still in that mode. So um, it's it's going to be very, very difficult for Schalke to challenge for Champions League in the next five seasons unless there's a massive change. And I just don't see that massive change anywhere on the horizon because it's, it's the snowball effect. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's not like you have a a history of winning Bundesliga titles. <laughs> um, quite the opposite. Or, <laughs> quite the opposite. It's never happened. 1958 and counting uh, since you won a German le domestic league-ish title because it wasn't technically a league back then. It was more a playoff. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Schalke will be outdistanced by clubs like Gladbach, Leverkusen, and Leipzig more and more. And if they are smart, they take a look at exactly Borussia Mönchengladbach and just try to carbon copy that. Do find a Max Eberl. You don't have him right now. Um, and build upon that. And I think that's, that's your chance at Schalke. Uh, but you have to have that patience. Uh, going into it and they are not known for that level of patience and could find themselves in a Hamburg type position yeah well Bremen type position to be honest even though I think Bremen are actually not heavily mismanaged like Schalke are I think you know it's it's more bad luck for Bremen to be uh, in 17th position right now than uh, you know anything else maybe maybe uh, I'm I'm a bit too favorable there to Bremen but uh no, overall, I thought their tra their overall tra trajectory was maybe more going upward than downward before the season. You know, I think I I had them like in in eighth or ninth, uh, you know, in my prediction. But yeah, it's it's really not going well for Schalke, and I I really do wonder, you know, when um, the amount of uh, time of uh, Schalke not winning a domestic uh, championship eclipses the average life expectancy of uh. German uh, people, what will Dortmund fans sing, sing after that? Will they say zwei Leben lang or 
what what what's going to be the song in like i don't know 2040 or so i'm not worried about that i'll be <laughs> even older by then we'll we'll figure it out at that point all right i think that's uh, that's enough of our shot for the segment to matthias uh, so please tell all listeners no wait predictions so please predict the uh, minds game I think Dortmund are going to win 3-0 in a not not the most exciting match. Uh, Mainz will make them work for it for a while. And then I think a couple of goals in, it's just going to be a little bit of a training match at that point. Is just based on what I've seen. Yeah, I think Dortmund will actually blow Mainz away. I feel like this is going to be a 5-1 to one win. I mean, I predicted a 4-1 against Düsseldorf and that didn't pan out. But uh, fingers crossed that I can be right once more before the end of the season. So, um, yeah, that's going to be my prediction. Anyway, Matthias, now it's the time to tell the listeners how to get in touch with you. Yeah, even though I'm not that active on Twitter anymore because, ugh, um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Matthias Uch. Yeah, that is uh, fair enough. Uh, you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter and uh, all of us at Yellow Wallpot on Twitter and Facebook. And if you want to read our written content, please go to theyellowwall.net where uh, you will soon be able to find that Lukas Piszczek interview. And, uh, of course, if you want to contribute financially, go to patreon.com slash theyellowwall, where you can also find the information on how to become an episode sponsor and get a nice little shout-out from yours truly. And, yes, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. Um, our RSS feed you can also find on our website for your podcatcher of choice. That is all for us from now until I would say Thursday because we need to preview the Leipzig game, of course. So as always, everyone out there, thank you for listening. Good. <laughs>